Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Um, we do this at around 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every Friday. I've got a great panel. I've got a great special guest. I've got Rob Rowley joining us. Um, I'm going to, if you don't know about Rob, I'm going to do a quick intro for Rob and then I'm going to let the rest of the panel introduce themselves. Rob is the former founder of the popular CRM and email marketing platform Drift. He also is the presenter of one of the leading podcasts in the startup community, Startups for the Rest of Us. Rob is also the joint founder of Tiny Seeds, the startup accelerator for bootstrap companies, which also mentors and invests in these companies. Rob is also the chief individual behind the leading startup conference, MicroCamp, and also the author of a number of business books aimed at bootstrappers and startup, the startup community. In other words, Rob is a bit of overachiever. So... <laughs> <laughs> How many hours does this guy have in his week? This guy's uh, crazy. Is he know. like? Yeah, he must be really old and like work all the time or something. I don't know how you do it actually, but there we go. Uh, Rob, I'm going to let Heather introduce herself. Heather. Hi, I'm Heather Wildrenzi. I am the digital solutions lead at the Difference and author of Birth of a Unicorn. All right, and we've got Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Spencer Foreman from WPLaunchify.com. And I've got my friend, John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself? John from LockdownSEO.com. Right. So let's go into our first story. Um, Liquid Web requires Give WP. So, Spencer, what did you think of this one? I didn't see this one on the radar. Yeah. So I put my call in to Chris Lemma. He's a very busy man. So he, he apparently does... Did not have time to chat with me about it, but I always like to get the inside scoop. Here's the deal. I know the guys directly at, at GiveWP. They've done, like many other authors, that you know, Jack is one of my favorite, of course. They focused on a particular niche solution in the plugin format. Um, they work with some of the same tool sets, so I've had a chance to go behind the scenes on how they do it. Really, really efficient guys built a, a great business. The question that's intriguing to me is what is the buyout and what are the side deals? Now, we all know there's going to be an NDA, and Rob is an expert on this, so that's not going to be revealed. But we can speculate that it's probably a one-and-a-half to two-times multiplier. It could be higher because it's subscription. There's probably some ability, because we've seen Liquid Web, uh, allow companies to carry on. I was curious to know, maybe Chris will tell me later, what is the thing behind the, the founder's motives? But I suspect because that's what Jack and I talked about, and I've heard Rob talk about it candidly. It's like, is the amount of money enough to give them sort of like uh, we're good level to go on and do the next thing? And for that, they have the income stream that can be calculated to say, yeah, probably true. I mean, you know, their ARR on this business is clear that it's in the seven figures. So multiply that and realize that those two guys can go on and do stuff. And and when I talked to Jack about it this morning, I don't want to say what Jack says publicly, but I will say what I thought about it publicly, which is I said, you know, if you make a cash cow 
And you can work it out that other people milk the cow for you after a certain number of years. Do you want to sell the cow? And I'm 54. The answer for me at 54 is far different than somebody in their 20s or 30s because I've already done the kids and the divorce and the custody and like going on with my life. And I see life as a, yeah, you know what? Like having a cow that milks a couple million dollars a year and somebody else milks it sounds a lot better than when I was in my 30s and I wanted to conquer the world and did various things to that end. So I think it's a good buyout. It's a good deal. And it's an interesting thing for a WordPress plugin to get there. Yeah, so Rob, there seems to be a lot more activity in the WordPress community, a lot more buyouts and that. Um, what's your view on this particular one and uh, the amount of activity you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, it feels like the, you know, private equity was, you know, 10 years ago only buying companies, software companies of any kind, $100 million and up, right? 10, 15 years ago. And then this micro-private equity started making a movement, uh, especially into SaaS because of the appeal of the subscription revenue. And we are now seeing that same thing follow into WordPress, I think, over the past I'd say, what, 12 to 36 months, maybe, 18 to 36. It's like there is both, um, in this case, there's just a consolidation, right? It's it's a, a, a web host acquiring, yeah, I know Liquid Web is more than that, but you know, at its core, it's a web host acquiring uh, pieces and kind of rolling them up. And I, I think we're going to, that's how industries, that's what happens in industries, right, is consolidation. There used to be 100 U.S. car manufacturers, and now there are three, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> there, are, there are two or three, depending on how you define it, you know, and that's, that's normally, what, that's naturally what happens. And the cool part is, you know, for the, for the I don't know the founders of um, GiveWP, but if, you know, assuming that they did walk away with millions of dollars, and by walk away, I mean they work at Liquid Web for the next couple of years on an earnout, but then they can now go off and start that next thing if they decide to. And knowing ambitious startup founders, they probably will. And so I don't think it's a net, I don't look at this as a net loss. I look at this as now we have smart founders who have experience and who have done it once or multiple times in their case are now, now have some money at their back and they can now go on and build an even bigger and better thing next time if that's their desire. Yeah, great. So Heather, what do you think? I think it's just a win-win, like everybody else is saying, like this is a good company. They've proven, um, in the philanthropy space that they understand a product. And uh, that's that's like a, a benefit for Liquid Web um, to have that experience on their team um, because it's different from what other people are doing in WordPress. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean, like they're, they're the number one provider for philanthropy-based WordPress sites. And that can only be uh, good to have in, in the network. Well, interesting to me, John, was that, it seemed to be bought by Liquid Web. It didn't seem to be, it's not going to be under the iTheme umbrella. Am I correct about that, John? Yeah, it's uh, iThemes is operating in its own thing. And I had actually forgotten that they had acquired the events calendar uh, last year. But what you're really seeing in the WordPress space is a lot of the hosting companies are acquiring suites of products uh, to have under their banner. You're seeing WP Engine acquiring. Um, Genesis and uh, Cadence Blocks. You're seeing GoDaddy acquire Managed WP. Uh, and um, a few years ago, um, the Media Temple. Uh, so this is no different. Liquid Web is, you know, basically doing the same thing, and they're positioning themselves as one of the the top hosting companies by having these other products underneath its banner. 
Yeah, and um, had Stephen, my um, co-host on my interview show, joining us. Um, Stephen, um, the only thing is that I'm not totally sure about all these hosting companies because none of them at the present moment have done what I thought they were going to do, say, basically say, well, you can only use this plugin if you use our hosting. None of them have done that yet. Is that coming, and when do you think that's, or do you think they won't be able to do that? I would be surprised if they went that direction. I mean, I think from a hosting company perspective, like there's two ways that you're looking at this is one, it's another um, cash stream revenue generating sort of mechanism. And then two, it's a user acquisition. And probably its primary like focus is how do you acquire more users? As soon as you wall that off into your own garden, then it stops um, you know, acquiring you any users at all. Um, the, the thing that I find the most interesting is Inside of the WordPress space and this whole acquisition is a lot of the acquisitions are fairly small. This is probably one of the bigger ones. Um, But it still also feels very disjointed. You have a lot of companies buying a lot of random plugins that are still kind of sitting in their own isolated environment. Um, I feel like you can only get so much utility from that. Um, I think like the next move after everybody's, you know, gotten all of their, uh, monopoly properties, if you will, or all their little plugins and assembled their armies. Like, how do you start combining those? How do you start working off of each other instead of having all of these silos? Um, and to me, that's when like things get really interesting because that's that's an even bigger problem to solve. And how do you how do you go in that direction versus just, oh, you know, this plugin looks cool, I'll buy that, or I like this user base, I'll buy this user base. Is how do you combine that user base and create an engine that can overpower your competition? Um, that feels like a really hard challenge and something that will probably happen, you know, a couple of years down the road here. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see. All right. Before we go on to our next story, I want to talk about one of my major sponsors, and that's Costas. Um, if you're looking to get into um, podcasting, uh, which I think you should look at, um, I I've love podcasting myself. Rob loves it. Uh, um it's a great way of communicating to your clientele and to your tribe. Now, you need a platform to host your um, audio files and you need an RSS feed and a number of other things. And having that all in one unified interface is helpful. Um, I was with a previous company, I won't mention them, but um, I, I, I got a bit tired with their interface and they were a little bit expensive. Um, Castors came on the scene, um, had a quick chat with them. Um, I paid it out of my own pocket and I, and they helped me move almost 500 episodes onto their platform. I've just been blown away. A really fabulous interface, about half the price of the previous company that I was using. And they've just been so helpful in the process. And we had a quick discussion. I said I was looking for a new major sponsor, and they decided that they would come on board. So I've just been delighted. So if you're looking for a great platform for podcasting for yourself or for your clients, you could do so much worse than going over to Castos and talking to them and using their platform. So on to the next story. And uh, obviously Rob was here um, and I listen to his own podcast every week, and um, he had an episode about um, 
the upcoming uh, round of his tiny seed for spring 2021. So, Rob, obviously I'm not going to ask you to choose a favourite out of your list because that would be unfair. But what I am going to ask you is, was there, are there any particular sectors, industry sectors or particular sectors that really get your interest um, at the present moment? And secondly, um, how do you see WordPress as being part of um, maybe some of your choices? Is it more on your radar, you and your team? You know, we we don't specify um, or focus on individual sectors because the reason large venture capital firms, and I, by large, I mean ones that want a billion dollar or $10 billion outcome, they focus on sectors because you can't get a billion dollar outcome in a lot of areas of the economy, especially if it's a commoditized space and you're starting a startup. So they need it to be clean energy, electric cars going to the moon. They need these huge, big deals. And we're not that tiny seat is for, for bootstrappers. And for us, you know, a, a $40 million exit is a, a amazing life-changing outcome for the founders. And it allows us to, to have successful returns. So we don't need, so we don't focus on any particular areas. Um, I will say uh, that we are uh, an investor in Castos. They were in batch one of Tiny Seed. Um, mm-hmm. And I use them as well. Cool. You know, it's totally coincidentally, but um, we have, with that said, I mean, you know, across the 41 investments we've made through Tiny Seed, and then I have 16 of my own angel investments that I made prior to that. So about 57 companies, um, including WP Engine, Castos, you know, it's companies you guys would know. Um, I We have seen that, you know, COVID and remote work has certainly helped all any podcast app we're invested in, any remote work app uh, we're invested in, and we saw it hurt any of the education apps because school was, you know, was shut down. We had, uh, we just made an investment in someone that, that, had a, had a tough year last year, but is really doing well now. And they're in the senior, um, it's called senior place, their senior placement software. So they're SaaS. Um, so there are certain things that, that do really well and don't do really well, depending on, you know, what's happening. But we just like to see really great founders. We like to see some traction and we like to see that uh, they're not, they're, they're serving businesses. B2B is, is a big thing for us. On In terms of uh, WordPress, we do have, I believe it's, well, it's two or three of companies that have WordPress plugins as a core kind of tenant, you know, a core piece of what they do. Castos is one, right? Seriously Simple Podcasting was um, what they built on top of to, uh, to to start Castos. You don't need a WordPress site these days, but that is where they have the most traction. And then Lasso Analytics is uh, affiliate uh, management and affiliate link management, and um, that they're in our, our third batch here. So, and then there's there's another one in batch one. So, um, we definitely keep our eye out. I think for us, subscription we're SaaS, right? So, if it's not subscription, we I don't think we've backed a single company that isn't subscription based. So that's that's if the WordPress can be subscription, we're all about it. They have a little bit of traction, and they have founders who are who are driving it forward. Um, but we love any type of software that charges on a recurring basis. That's great. Heather, so what did you think of this group of companies that Rob and his team have uh, invested in? Uh, I think it's a good group. I mean, whenever you have a seed round uh, of funding, you can expect about 10% of them to move forward, um, 15% at most. So um, look at this list and see uh, which ones you think are going to move on uh, and be successful. Uh, I mean, in, in this I mean, it, it could be like five to 10 years, but I mean, take a look at this list and see which ones you you think are going to be the good ones. 
you know, I could ask you, I, w- I can't ask Rob this, but I can ask you, was there any that particularly caught your eye? Um, I, I like the cloud forecast uh, group. I think that they are, are going to, I mean, that, that they have something useful. However, um, I mean, there's other companies that are doing something like that. Um, the Lexco, I've actually used this company, although I don't, I've seen other companies in that, that field already go away. So I don't know how big of a, a niche this is. Um, and uh, Senior Place, uh, like of, of all of them on here, I think Senior Place is the one that, that might have the biggest shot because the gray dawn is approaching and um, we're, already, uh, we're already pretty top heavy in a lot of countries of how many people are entering retirement um, as opposed to people that are entering the workforce. So... Um, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. I mean, in countries like uh, China and Japan, there's already more people retired than there are uh, entering the workforce, and they're trying very hard to get that. And that's we're rapidly approaching that in many uh, of the larger cities in the U.S. as well. So I think, uh, yeah, senior, senior Place and uh, uh, um, Cloud Forecast are the ones that I would bet on. And what you, Rob, as you say that, I can't get any feedback from Rob's face at all. He's a great poker player, actually. Uh, um, John, what did you think of the this seed round, and did any of the companies catch your eye? Um, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to look at, like, every single um, company on this list, but I think it's really cool how... Uh, Tiny Seed and other uh, angel investors, micro investors are making it easier for companies to get off the ground and start. So I think that that is a valuable service. Oh, and and yeah. Rob, just a little bit about my background. I am a VC. I am an angel investor. I have, I have been working on funds. My my per, like I, I work in the travel, food, and uh, biomechatronics. So. Like, I mean, I do a lot with AI, but not in 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 where you're funding. But sure. that's <laughs> yep, very cool. Right, Spencer, what did you think of this latest round? Did any of them catch your eye? Uh, your your audio is bad. Oh right, John's, John's gone bad again. I have to cut you off, John. That's yep. okay. <laughs> Hello, folks. Hello, John. Let's carry on. Um. I liked Rob's comment. I would pick up on it about the fact that subscriptions are really the future. In fact, I linked to an article that was like an alternative story for today from Wired about everyone is becoming a subscription, which is essentially the way of saying that we've become an economy of micro payments, but not in the way that we started out years ago where, you know, you're going to pay a nickel for this and a dime for that, but rather Services and companies have realized the value of, let's call it the Netflix model of, I'm going to offer you something, you're going to build a relationship, and the deal is not going to be front-loaded with a lot of obligation. It's going to be, we're going to give you something valuable in a small enough manageable chunk that you can set it and forget it. And I think, as to my original conversation in reference to the, the GiveWP, that is one of the unique things about that particular buyout is that that was a company from the WordPress stack that actually had the subscription base and the revenue to justify, a, a let's say, a large scale 
buyout. Whereas there's only a couple, even today, as we sit here, that can say they're in the solid seven figures of the WordPress space. But I would imagine, you know, Rob's logic here is going to be the the only logic of most VCs in the future. Like, why would you want to get into a company that only has a chance of selling somebody something once versus especially a sticky solution that is hard to undo? Because then the cow is milking forever. And so I, I do see this as a trend. At the same time, my area of focus not being VC, but rather on the practical solutions of WordPress, I see that WordPress becoming this platform, there's a lot of innovation of, I'm going to make a solution now that fits into the stack of existing plugins instead of the previous incarnation, which was, I'm going to build a, I'm doing everything plugin, and it's going to collide with all the other everything you do. It's much smarter to think in terms of being a Lego block today in WordPress than it is to be creating a whole new system. Yeah, great. So, Stephen, what did you think? And did you like any of any of the particular companies selected? Yeah, it's always fun reading through, you know, a list of companies that are, uh, there's so many companies out there when someone um, like Rob's, you know, done the work of going through all this stuff and this team there. Um, it's always fun to see kind of what companies and what ideas have risen to the top. Um, as far as like brackets, we're building some sort of bracket system based on the companies. I, my theory is always find the coolest idea in the uh, less sexy industry possible. And they probably have like the best chance of making it now. You know, will they be the next unicorn? Maybe not because, you know, sexy can add a lot of fire to uh, the engine. But um, I think that when you have a new idea that you can put into some space that just isn't as cool, just the competition is a lot less. Um, so uh, the senior place is probably what's piqued my interest the most. I'm just like reading through those companies. Right, that's great. So on um, on to story three. Um, I don't expect Rob to have much views on this particular one, but you never know. Uh, classic widget plugin disables WordPress 5.8 upcoming block-based widget system. you just got to love the tavern and their titles, haven't you? Our, um, our, um, the art form in themselves. Um, so, Spencer, what did you think of this particular yeah, story? Yeah, thanks. This is like, uh, I'm a pilot, and this this is, I, I don't want to get into the unfortunate realities of the families that lost family members, but, you know, like the 737 Max software update. This kind of thing reminds me of the backwards logic that would make a company reliable like Boeing decide to change the fundamental nature of how a, a reliable long-term aircraft works to the point where it became deadly. Why, oh, why, oh, why would an official plugin be released from Automatic to essentially disable the thing that they're promoting at the other side of their mouth about why everybody needs to move to blocks. In other words, isn't that just sort of revealing, And unless I've completely missed what this does, that there's fundamentally an issue with the thing that's been released into the wild? I mean, it literally is the third or fourth thing I can think of in the last couple of months that we've talked about where there's nobody steering the ship here at all. I mean, as a user with experience, I can navigate around these icebergs. But like you came to WordPress as a platform and you're intuitively supposed to understand, well, here's the Gutenberg block editor. Use this, but don't really use it because there's third party software that really makes it better. But you got to choose and pick this. And by the way, here's an official plugin that disables this thing. And also we have this classic plugin that also disables this thing. And come on, it's insanity. No, no venture company would get away with this if it wasn't WordPress. To me, it, it seems like it's WordPress's way where they can just kind of not do as much backwards compatibility. Like they've 
kind of drawn their backwards compatibility line somewhere. And then if that doesn't work for you, like install the plugin. So we don't have to like deal with all of these edge cases and stuff. Um, and if they were trying to build it back so that there would be no problems, like, I don't know how you would build that. But um, I also would like to know how many plugins does one need to install to go back to the good old classic? Because it seems like we're just piling up the plugins at this point. It does seem to be getting a longer, longer road. It does, I mean, what's shocking to me is this is an official plugin. I don't, unless I'm in the, <laughs> this is not like some, like me, who made the Gutenberg looks like classic plugin because I was annoyed. This is the official release, like from the same people making the editor. What's up? So, so yesterday I installed a new site. I, I popped up another new site. And now I, I just, I tried to not install immediately the, the Restore Classic plugin right away. I mean, that's normally my go-to. I tried to use the blocks and I couldn't get three images lined up right away. I mean, like, I tried and tried and they kept going horizontally. I gave it like an hour of me trying using God, the blocks. Come on, you can do it, Eva. You can do it. You can get those three images in a line. They, in the preview, they were in a line. As soon as you hit publish, they went horizontal. And I was like, you know what? I mean, they were they were horizontal and then they went vertical as soon as I hit publish. So I, I gave it an hour of me just trying. And then I was like, nope, install classic, did the divs and done. But, but by the way, well, no, you and, know, Harry Barris in a full Manasso lady can't get uh, three images in a row. Because you know? in the blocks, it it was the. I right. mean, like if I used the blocks, it it there was no way to configure it. So I, I just want to point out, by the way, in supplement of this, because then I will shut up for the rest of the story. That an old friend has made a comment here, an old friend of the show, about why this is so awesome. So I won't name the name, but somebody yeah, please don't, because I'll get a phone call again. So don't. I'm just saying, if you look at the nature of that comment, you start to see the origin of where there's difficulty at the higher levels, because there's no way that an objective person could say that that is a truthful statement or even remotely resembling what's going on here. Like Heather's experience is my experience, and other commenters have said it's it's schizophrenic for an experienced user, let alone a new user. Now, Rob, I'm going to put you on the spot, Rob, but I'm sure you hand you handle me in the in your classical diplomatic way. Uh, um, what do you think automatic? You know, as an outsider, what do you think of automatic's performance recently? Uh, so here's the thing: I'm I'm not a WordPress developer, I'm not a WordPress consultant, but I am an end user, and I still manage and run three or four web WordPress sites, including Startups with the Rest of Us, which has 550 podcast episodes, my wife's site Zen Founder, which has 250 episodes. So we we run. I would say I am a power user of WordPress. I used to be a developer. I don't hack WordPress anymore, but so I am perhaps a a different perspective. And from the outside, when I saw this, when I first read the article, I thought, A, wow, that is the least clickbaity title I've ever seen in an article. The second thing I thought was, <laughs> I know it wasn't intended to be clickbait, but um, second thing I thought was, well, I'm glad at least they released a classic plugin. So someone like me who doesn't want to learn the new system until it's fully functional can, can go backwards and you know uh, stay where I am. And that was my initial thought. However, as soon as everyone started talking, I realized, wait a minute. You, as Spencer said, you, but 
should you need to do that if the new thing works really well? Like if your new approach works well? And this is the this is a really hard balance. You know, in building SaaS apps that we had, we would have this legacy. We'd have stuff that we had to be backwards compatible, but we owned the entire code base and it was still really hard. I can only imagine how hard this must be with, you know, WordPress. I mean, we all know just with the tens of thousands of plugins and all that. So I don't know that I can honestly comment on automatic because I just don't follow this. You know, the, this is a nitty gritty story that if, if I wasn't on the show, I wouldn't know until I logged into to my WP engineer, you know, I repo and I was like, why are, why are the widgets all broken? Right. And then I would be pissed off. And then I would go and Google this and probably find yeah, this. Article, I'm not so. going to push you on this. I'm just going to remark. Um, we're almost over two years into this, Rob. Oof. And also I've got a, a pretty smart lady here that can't put three images in a horizontal row. Uh, um, I think we've got some slight problems here, but there we go. That's that's my that's just my faults. What do I know? I'm not a multi-millionaire, so what do I know? Uh, um, so um, I think we're going to go for our break. When we come back, I've got some other great stories. We've got Rob with us as well. I've been really enjoying our discussion with Rob. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10-30% to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry, we've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of LaunchFlows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try LaunchFlows today. We're coming back. Rob's been very diplomatic, as I expected. Uh, um, you can tell he's experienced in these matters. I'm gearing up uh, to be uh, really opinionated about these next ones, though. Just watch out. Oh, yeah. Right. There we go. Uh, I'll wait for the drumbeat. Um, before we go into the next story, I want to talk about one of our great sponsors. That's Conversio. If you're looking for real WordPress hosting that's really aimed at large websites and um, large companies, you could do a lot wrong worse than Conversio. Um, they really specialise in perf- WordPress and performance. Um, the owner of the company showed me their interface and some of the technology that they're building out internally. And I, 
to say I was pretty blown away. Um, also, um, they for the WP Tonic Tribe, they provided a fantastic special offer. Um, you can choose any of their plans um, and you will get 30% for the lifetime of that plan. Uh, that is a tremendous saving and it's a tremendous offer. How do you get it? Well, you just go to the WP Tonic website. There's Conversio banners all over the website. You just click one of them. It will take you to a Pacific landing page where you can take up this fantastic offer. I suggest that you go and have a look at it. Right, on to um, um, story four. Uh, Republic CEO Ken Nerger, I think he is, on on making early stage investing for everyone. So, Rob, um, you know, I think um, I forgot the wrong, the right term for it. Um, I think you had to be a credited investor. I think, but does that mean that you have to? Am I correct in saying yeah. that in assets you got to have about a million dollars in assets? And if you're not a credited investor, you're a child. You know, um, you're just an idiot, and you can't you can't manage your own. That's financial, not true. Seems to financial. Um, we well, does seem very patronising, or or am I wrong about this, Robin? Um, what do you think of the these new this um, what Ken is suggesting from Republic? Yeah, this came from from laws passed in the during the Great Depression, <laughs> and until the reg cf the crowdfunding regulations came out what whatever five six seven years ago they it, it was still the same accreditation laws which means if you're a high net worth individual worth more than a million dollars in liquid assets not including your home or you make more than 200 or 300,000 dollars a year depending on if you're married then you're accredited and you can invest in these venture deals these early stage startups funds like tiny seed but if you're not accredited you don't get to do that and that's the the federal government's um that's their approach to trying to protect people from being scammed, right? It protect mm-hmm. people from fraud and stuff. And it, it, it's too blunt, I think, is the bottom line. Um, it is too, I think it's patronizing. I think that there have to be controls in place. But I think anything like RegCF or, you know, what Republican WeFunder are now doing on the back of, of crowdfunding um, is a step in the right direction. And I think that um, we know that in the, you know, we can guess that in the next six to 12 months, there probably will be a big scandal. You know, remember Kickstarter when it started out, people were raising money and then there was one that just failed miserably and everyone said, oh, crowdfunding's dead. But it wasn't. I'm just, I'm expecting the same thing to happen. You know, I mean, it's almost inevitable uh, law of large numbers. But to me, trying to be heavy handed, you know, what if we have... um, what if someone literally works at a venture fund or what if someone is uh, you know, a stock trader or what if someone is an executive? I mean, I was an executive running my third SaaS company doing seven figures a year in annual revenue, but we weren't profitable because we were growing and I was not accredited. And like I knew what I, I knew that I could invest in SaaS and be pretty sophisticated about it. So there are movements to get like uh, sophistication testing in place, much like to, to get a driver's license or, you know, to get a handgun or whatever, like you have to take, um, I don't even know that you don't have to be tested to take a handgun, but you know, there's certain things you need to be licensed for and you need to take a test for. And I think that, uh, that may be a better long-term solution. But with that said, um, I think crowdfunding is, is the best we have for now. And I think it's a, a step in the right direction. So what did you think of this story, Stephen? What did you think of it? Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially from like how, 
usable is this? Like, I I know uh, back when I was involved in another startup, we kind of started going down this route of saying, hey, like, can we get funding from our user base, you know, our fans and stuff? Um, but like the process to get there and educating users on what this meant and like our user base just wasn't sophisticated enough at all to like understand any, any of these, like any of these ideas. And so I, I think it'd be interesting to see just like how widespread this can become and like how many people are actually interested in investing in something like this versus like Kickstarter, where you're investing in an idea and a product that essentially powers a company versus the actual company itself. Um, but I think Rob made a really good point that like, there's probably a huge swath of people that are uh, educated and know what they're doing and would like to invest, but they just don't have necessarily the capital resources or to get accredited. Um, so I think that's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that before. So have uh, I, I thought I agreed with everything Rob said. I, I think things need changing, but how do you change them without attracting every con artist and digital drifter under the sun to yeah. um, rob rob the pockets of these people left, right, and centre? And that's why those rules were put into place. But I mean, realistically, just because you make um, three hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, consistently for uh, the past three years, I think is one of the rules for a credit investor, or you have over a million dollars in assets, not including your house um, is one of the other rules. That doesn't mean that you're good with money. Um, they're just saying that is. And in fact, like the, the $300,000 salary rule um, always struck me as stupid because uh, I grew up in the, the 80s uh, during the, uh, the Wall Street um, boom um, and I was seeing people spending all of their like multi-million dollar salaries on cocaine and like Lamborghinis and stuff like that. So like they obviously weren't good yeah, with money. I was, in the, I was in the suburbs of London. Teens and crumpet. It was teens and crumpet ever, you know. There we go. Yeah, well, no, but I mean the people in London at that time were also doing the cocaine thing. I mean like they there was – it was the same same thing like because finance cities are the same. Like and people – the more money they have, the more money they're going to spend it quickly. And we're seeing that right now with like all these crypto people like, oh, they're, they're, they're hodling. They're <laughs> – they're doing like oh I'm I'm gonna buy buy at the dip and then sell sell on the rumor and and or buy like I mean they're doing all this stuff but they don't understand any of it and they they have no idea so like the reason the reason for the whole accredited investor thing isn't because you have money it's because they're expecting you to understand what you're doing and that's why you have to pass a series seven to be a fiduciary that's why you have to um, understand, like they're expecting that you are not going to jump out of a window and commit suicide because like you didn't understand that your your margin call like is going to show for a minute that you have no money in your account. Like every Friday afternoon when my, my portfolio is clearing, my account shows that I have no money for a good hour and a half. So if I'm looking at my account just then, it shows I'm, I'm broke and then it comes back. But if you don't understand that, that it's clearing at the end of the week. Well, let's hope, <laughs> these, Rus- let's hope these Russian hackers don't get into it one day and it doesn't come back. Uh, Robert, there we go. Uh, um, Spencer, uh, um, what did you think of this? I think Heather and I are on the same frequency today because I was going to bring up the fact that, <laughs> again, I'm with you, John, I'm like the grandpa of this group. So I can remember the 80s and the 90s and all the rest of the decades very well at various ages of my life. And 
besides the cocaine and the partying and everything else, I think the cryptocurrency was what I was going to refer to, which is the problem with regulation. I must have gone, gone wrong somewhere. I missed out on the cocaine. I mean, I was party. in the 80s, so I mean, I was rocking and rolling too, but not with that, but with other stuff. And the 90s had their fun and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The the thing that's interesting is regulation from the federal governments, especially the United States, have a history of coming in with good intentions, but heavy handedly creating a set of rules that ultimately create a fence that other people take advantage of on the outside. So we've talked about in the show antitrust regulation all the time about how it is that there's a couple trillionaires that pay no taxes and a few companies that are taking advantage because they have the wherewithal to use the Sherman and Clayton antitrust laws in their favor and the middle guys don't. But here I was going to say this is hilarious because Rob's statements are very true. There's plenty of people that are more than capable with a very low degree of, of testing or curation to put their own money into play. But because of the heavy handedness of this vintage law, you've really got a scenario where everybody's just taking their money and putting it into cryptocurrencies instead. So you've literally traded one drug for another drug. Now what happens? Are they going to create a whole nother set of like post-depression area anti-suicide laws around cryptocurrency? Maybe. But then people will move to the next thing. I think the solution is just to recognize that we live in a very dynamic world and the government's regulation. I mean, this is like talking about automatic. The government's regulation does not move at the speed of the technology. And so what you're always going to see is this cat and mouse game. Um, I don't know personally whether cryptocurrencies are going to stay the same. It's a debate I have with my father and my friends all day long because it's literally gotten to epic ridiculousness proportions. There's no market fundamentals. There's memes, there's tweets, there's Saturday Night Live appearances that allow somebody on their own to move a currency 25 to 50% with no re repercussions. Um, that wouldn't go with any other kind of publicly traded stock. But I do find that like we're in a world where people are no longer like limited by the fundamentals of having to call a broker. The broker has to put in the trade or going through the traditional, I got to get a bank to issue a check to give money to a venture-backed company. I mean, you now have a world where, for real, like somebody who wants to back a company could throw some Bitcoin or Ether Ethereum at somebody and say, yeah, mark me down on the back books and uh, I'm an equity owner. And that would be the way that people might have to do this for the time being. So yeah. it's a fascinating environment for sure. But, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, John, what do you reckon? I think it's good that um, they're trying to allow normal people, I say normal people, uh, to try and invest uh, in, you know, angel investing, which seems like this is uh, an initiative to that. I understand that, you know, people are going to do what they want with their money, whether that's put it in crypto, put it in stonks or, you know, whatever it is. But they're going to, you know, I, I think you got to give more people the opportunity to make some money. I think that's good for business. I think it's good for the economy. I think it's good for the citizens to be able to do that. Yes, that cryptocurrency, if only I had invested. There we go. Another missed opportunity. But I can sleep at night. So there we go. Uh, um so on to the next story. Um, is there really an alternative to HubSpot? Um, this is from 
Chris Lemmer, uh, Chris, I just love you. If you want to buy my company, you know, you can phone me anytime you like, Chris. Uh, 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 but, um, I, I have such mixed feelings about HubSpot. Uh, part of me always thought it was just a really a great marketing machine that managed to get to empty the pockets of people that, could have got, you know, just didn't really just fell for the marketing spin. But other people really love HubSpot. Um, so, Rob, somebody that has some knowledge of this particular area, a little bit, only a little bit, um, are they, you know, what's your view of the success of HubSpot? You know, they seem to have done a fantastic marketing job, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, HubSpot really hit this inbound, they, you know, they coined this inbound marketing term and really doubled down on it. And I was on an early access list uh, for HubSpot when they, and this had to have been 2005 to 2007 as they were launching, because I was following one of their co-founders' blogs, Dharmesh Shah had a, a blog called on, on Startups. And so, you know, there were like 20 startup bloggers at the time or so. I mean, it was like, and I was one of them. And so um, I got on their early access list and, you know, the first product, it was it was rough, right? Like any of us, and and they launched and they iterated and they they built a system to get a lot of people in. I agree with you. Uh, the, you know, these days HubSpot's a, I mean, it's a public company. It's obviously successful by all metrics, but there are um, absolutely solid alternatives to HubSpot that are either less expensive um, or you know have different functionality. I mean, there's a tool called Active Campaign that is really good. Uh, Chris Lemma proposes Bento, uh, which I've never used, but I you know skimmed through their website in preparation for this. It's so, great. It, I could make it a tell their bloody website. Oh my God, what a dog's breath. I thought the web B- is Bento. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a dog's- very cumbersome. There's I thought a, there's, it was a dog's breath of a website, you know. yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot there. I was trying to absorb what you know what they even do. So that's the bottom line. Is in, in any space when you get this large, there's going to be a lot of competition. I think when I when I read Chris's um, article, is it really an alternative to HubSpot? And then he has that that phrase sprinkled throughout. I was like, this is an SEO play. He's he's trying to rank for this term more. <laughs> you know, never. Then, Chris Chris would never do that. Yeah. Never. And, it's, never. and it's got a good old affiliate link right to Bento. So. I know. Yeah, bless his little heart. He's a bit commercial, isn't he? But, you know, uh, um, Spencer, what did you think? You know, what is it with HubSpot? I, I, I just, I've never fell under the, the spell of, of their, um, marketing, really. There we go. Yeah. Well, a couple of comments. First of all, because I love Chris and Chris is a fixture, uh, nobody has to complain about it, but it's clear that this blog post is not, a full-blown review or comment. It, it is a it, it is a clever way to get a reader's attention. Let's put it like that nicely, because the answer is so clearly yes. I mean, HubSpot is HubSpot, but here's how it breaks down, in my view, of the world from a marketing automation and WordPress standpoint. And a lot of this, of course, has to do with WP Fusion's involvement. You have the traditional grandfathers, grandmothers of the industry, right? Your HubSpot, your Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce, you're Infusionsoft. Mark Benioff as a billionaire can do anything he wants with Salesforce, but that's clearly an enterprise product. Whereas HubSpot and Infusionsoft Keep were kind of like the leaders in this space, as Rob indicates a couple of years back. But since Drip and all the other ones got into the space, and Active Campaign is, I think, our leading choice at the moment of those, um, marketing automation has evolved from a use the platform exclusively to solve all your problems to 
a little satellite orbiting the WordPress stack where now, especially, you can connect the features of a CRM you need, which are only three things. It's to track your contacts, apply tags and metadata, and to maybe, maybe use the CRM for email. But now the WordPress can competently do that through an SMTP connection, like Amazon SES. Even that is minimized. So now it's a matter of just dividing off the functionality of a CRM into a, a, a lane, just like many of the other components of WordPress, right? We have our LMS, your transactional engine, your, you know, maybe membership or sales funnel components. And so I would say that for most businesses, the choice is to actually look at the WordPress stack first. And one thing that we've talked about using, I did a video using it even as of last night, it's like Fluent CRM. Fluent CRM is a plugin model where the CRM functionality comes off of the SaaS and goes into a plugin as part of your WordPress stack. And that's a really compelling solution, one that I think the SaaS providers need to be aware of as well. While for an existing business, there's a ton of reasons to use the power of a real SaaS, like, you know, there's so many other CRM functions. Most WordPress people, at least, don't need that kind of horsepower. Right, they need the basics yeah. of the animation. I think that was the theme for the articles because a lot of people buy in it. If you're just buying into HubSpot and you're just going to use twenty percent of it, percent of it, it's a pretty expensive twenty percent. There's well, a uh, there's a lot of problems with HubSpot that I won't say are like a reason not to use them, but I will say this without being too political. HubSpot's promise is the platform and all the things you'll do on the platform. If you're using it as a, a CRM connected to WordPress the value proposition does not hold up. And there's a lot of weird yeah. targeting between the Yeah, that, that, that was the other area. That's oh, Thanks for pointing that out, Spencer, because that was the other area that always annoyed me about them was their inflated SEO lead generation. It's, it's just confusing promise. Like if you want to use HubSpot exclusively, then a lot of the things they say would hold water, maybe for a value proposition or not. But if you're using it just for the CRM capabilities, then there's 49 other choices, many of which are clearly a better bargain and easier to use for lots of reasons because you just leave everything else at the door. Well, Heather, so, you know, good luck to them. They've managed to build a very um, successful company. I, I, I never understood it. I never I never really understood how they, they, you know, I just thought it's just the spin, really. What's your views of the article and HubSpot? Uh, HubSpot is great if you're just starting out and you're just using their free service, but it can get really expensive really fast. And, um, they, but the good thing is they don't lock you in. Um, so once, but I mean, like it can cost thousands and thousands of dollars a year before you realize what you're, you're in for. So, um, like the article said, though, there are lots of alternatives to using HubSpot. So once you realize what it is that you need, is it a CRM? Is it marketing? Is it personalization? Is it whatever? HubSpot is good for teaching you what it is you need, and then you can move to the best tool for that. All right, then. Um, well, I think... Uh, go on. Yeah, sorry. Go on. Um, I to, to me, HubSpot is is more than just like fluff because they really do have some of the most advanced features of all the other CRMs. I think this art, this point was made in the article that uh, they also have some of the most integrations. Um, something that like challenge that I ran into like with ActiveCampaign 
Uh, Drib actually has this feature, but a lot of other CRMs, I think Hopper like doesn't have this and a couple others. Uh, but the idea of having uh, like objects that can be stored to users that have some data. So like you could say, hey, this user performed this action and on this action, here are the 50 data points about this user. And then I can have an email that gets sent for that automation or for the action that references all of these data points. Um, HubSpot has that, um, and a, a few other um, CRMs have that, but many of them do not. Um, and then once, once you take like that one idea and extrapolate that to chat and ticketing systems and all of these other like aspects that would be nice to know if your customer is engaging in something, um, HubSpot allows you to have a very sophisticated way of tapping into data, analyzing data, and tracking data. Um, Migrating CRMs is like one of the biggest nightmares that anybody will ever engage in, like trying to get customer data to sync from one platform to another platform. So my thought is if you have the money, it's better to buy the best or most expensive CRM that has all the features that you think you'll use instead of using something just because it's cheap and it fulfills a need now, but you may have a need later on. But now if you don't have $800 a month to throw away, uh, into you know a, a marketing automation system, um, I don't think you you can cover ninety percent of everything else. It's when you start getting to those edge cases that having like a really enterprise level thing, I think, has a lot of benefits. All right, I, I want to move on to the next story actually, um, and then do our recommendations and wrap this up. So Jeff Bezos super yacht, so big it needs its own yacht. So John. Um, I thought this was a kind of let them eat cake moment in American capitalism. What did you reckon about this one, John? You know, people, you always hear people say, like, he really doesn't have, like, all these hundreds of billions of dollars on hand. But then he goes and buys, like, a yacht with a smaller yacht, like, inside of it. Well, you need, you need one, don't yeah, you? You need all that. I mean, meanwhile, you've got... Uh, it, people at Amazon, they're they're trying to organize a union and they're getting union busted. You've got stories of people like drivers who are like peeing in bottles in order to make their delivery quotas. Uh, it, it, people being worked to death, not to death, but they're basically yeah. uh, be, being worked like extremely, extremely hard. Like what beyond. Kind of shows to me, what it shows to me, yeah. um, John, is. We've just gone through a terrible pandemic um, and a lot of small businesses have been closed down. Um, you know, obviously, um, Amazon benefit, you know, they didn't close, you know, it's done by the government um, for good reason. Um, um, I, I thought their fulfillment centres was a breeding ground for the pandemic as well. Um, but they benefit, but what it shows me is a total, how to put it in the right words, a total lack of empathy or any emotional business insight that this is probably was not the right moment to have this publicised. What Do you think I'm on the right track there, John? Yeah, I mean, there's a growing disparity of wealth, and I, I've seen this stat several times where, uh, the American working class, they, you know, 
lost uh, whatever the number is, like 70 billion or whatever. And then the, the billionaire class like earned 70 billion. And there's a direct correlation. It's not a coincidence that uh, there, there's people at the very tippy top, like the very thinnest slice of the, of the top of society. And this is like, you know, these aren't like people who are like have a million dollars rich. These are people who are like, we're, we're going to like write the rules for society rich. And it's this disparity in in wealth is is it's it's frightening because laws just don't apply to you, uh, and rules don't apply to you. You create the rules when you have this much wealth. So, Rob, you know, hopefully, I am a support of capitalism. Um, I'm a support of small companies, and I love what you're doing. But what was your view about this and uh, the timing of it? You know, I really. I had to really just shake my head and knock. Like I just, I said at the beginning, I really thought it was a let them eat cake moment. It's like really sticking your thumb up at the rest of society because of this pandemic. What, what do you, what do you think? So I, I agree with the others in the sense that the wealth disparity, the wealth gap is a huge issue. It's something that needs to be solved. I'm a left-leaning person myself in terms of politics. So, um, but also obviously, you know, I invest in startups. Like I believe that that companies and, and capitalism is what makes America like an, one of the most amazing countries in the world. With that said, I'm going to cut against the grain in terms of um, Jeff Bezos is for $200 billion. This yacht costs half a billion dollars, which, you know, it equates to if 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 any of us had a net worth of one million dollars, liquid net worth, it would be like spending twenty five hundred dollars on something. So I'm going to tell you, I my wife and I with our kids went to California uh, for a couple months during uh, the the winter because we live in Minneapolis and because our kids were doing remote school for the first time ever. And we said, we're going to take a couple of months. So we did that. While we were gone, we remodeled our kitchen. We spent more than twenty five hundred dollars on that. So but but mine isn't publicized. You know what I mean? Because no one cares. <laughs> and I I think the timing to to buy a yacht of this size is never going to be right. It, it, right? I mean, he could have done it five years ago and people would complain. He could do it next year and people would complain. And I think, um, to be honest, I've heard all the stories as well about the people peeing in bottles. And, you know, I follow the news as well. I've, I've listened to a book. Um, it's Jeff Bezos's annual shareholder letters. And it's called like, dream and wander or think and wander or something like that. And I, I liked hearing his side of the story. Um, I think he's right on a few things and wrong on some things as well. And so I, I think the fact that they do pay a $15 minimum wage now, I think the fact that um, they, you know, have done all this work to help their workers have better conditions. I, I think if you have what, how many employees do they have? A million? Half a million? Like, it's an enormous amount. Yeah, I think one of the biggest employers. It's in, enormous. In, in yeah. Now, it, that I do think that there are, I mean, this is a, again, the law of large numbers to come back to that, the larger, that larger events that I've thrown, the larger my audience has gotten, gotten the larger our customer base got it drip, there would be these bizarre outlier thing of like, wow, one email in a million, this weird thing happens to and we're never going to fix that. And I, I can see that, I can imagine someone telling a story of, hey, I peed in a bottle and it gets, of course, that's, if they tell a reporter that, that's front page news. Is that really, like, have people shown that that's happening constantly? Is that an ongoing thing? You know, according to Bezos, according to his managers, hey, people get these breaks. They're not judged by this, this and that. So I do think there are two sides to the story. And I'm certainly not a pro, I'm not pro Bezos and pro Amazon. 
But I also think that, um, I don't know, he, he made a lot of money. He bought a boat. I don't think it's a big deal. Mm, uh, well, I can see where you're coming from, Rob. It's always going to be, log- you know, pretty logical from you. But um, I just I, think... I just think it is that kind of reflection moment where you know, you know, she, you know, poor Inette, she never actually said that, you know, she never said let them eat cake, but it, it when it when it became publicised in in the slums of Paris, it was like gas on 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 the fire, you know, it enraged them. So in the end, you know, chop their heads off, you know. Kill them all, you know, um, Stephen. It's easy to do that, right? Both with someone in power, but also it's it's easy to hate on billionaires these days. I think a lot of people really like to do it. Um, again, I'm not defending billionaires. I'm certainly not one myself, but I also, I, I think we can get carried away with it. Yeah. And I don't think it's like it'll them, Rob, actually. It's just, uh, yeah, go on, sorry, Stephen. No, I was just going to say that, like, people, I, I think the part that, like, I don't understand or that makes me a little frustrated is people complain about, you know, everybody's net worth stuff. And now Jeff Bezos did probably one of the biggest things he's done in a while to reduce his net worth, buying a yacht, like, go try to sell that again. And now everybody's pissed at him for transferring this money to another company. And that company is now have, you know, has $500 million more to pay their employees and their stuff. It's one thing, I think, for rich people to get more rich and maybe be mad about that because they're, you know, exploiting something, but he paired probably fair market value for a crazy yacht. Like his net worth has gone down. Like the same people that are mad about his net worth, uh, you know, are mad about this too. So it it just feels like it's a little bit contradictory. Yeah, right. So Heather, what do you reckon? Is it a kind of, I, I can see both sides of it. I can see Rob, but also I can see the eat cake side of this as well. Uh, I don't know if I should comment on this because I'm the one that lived on a yacht while building Evernote and I, and my dinghy was a jet ski. So like I had a boat with a smaller boat. Uh, wow. <laughs> so I mean, like I don't, think it, I don't think it actually matched. But if you don't want to comment, I understand. Well, no, no. I mean, like I understand. I mean, it just—it's just a percentage of how much money you have. I mean, like he's got—he's got the billions, so he can have the billionaire boat with the other boat. And like I, that boat has a smaller boat, has other smaller. Bo- I've seen his his boats, and like he he has like the jet skis on the smaller boat, like just like me. So it's like so my boat was like the smaller version. <laughs> Is and as you get more rich, you just keep buying boats to the percentage of your richness. If I was there, if I, unfortunately, I'm not. It doesn't mention feel, the helicopters feel, that are on his boat either. So. <laughs> um, but I don't feel deprived either. So, um, Spencer, um, to be serious though, for one moment, you know, in a way, I don't really care what he buys, you know, good luck to him. You know, it's not exactly my cup of tea. Um, but um, but I do actually fear that you know it, it, the 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 way this goes down, the perversity around it is it, it just enrages a, a, a situation that um, is pretty toxic anyway. Can you see where I'm coming from, Spencer? Yes, but I'll address it a different way. This reminds me of oh so many movies because. There's the movie about like the end of the world where all the rich people get to go into some kind of arc that's like a spaceship. And then there's all the other apocalyptic global warming movies. I would ask one to consider if you're the richest person on the planet, 
does it not seem logical that you have a space company and or a yacht big enough to live on forever when the inevitable global warming floods the planet? You can either escape to space or you can float on your yacht and run the rest of the planet from there like Noah and Noah's Ark. I mean, it's perfectly logical to me if you're the richest person, you got to have some options. So I'm surprised anybody isn't even like looking at it from that perspective. I mean, nobody needs a $500 million yacht. There's only a practical purpose for it. Um, but aside from that, to John's point, and I'm very far left leaning, but in a capitalist mindset as well, I think the difficulty that we face is that capitalism is right now really structured in America towards shareholder equity first, foremost, and forever. And as a result of that, we lose track of the fact that it exists inside the stadium of the public eye. So to John's question, you cannot have a healthy, let's say, baseball stadium where there's only skyboxes and then everybody else is like literally freezing to death downstairs because it causes too much tension in society. Right now, we're in the sort of 99% to 1% or whatever the ratio is. And I think that that's unhealthy because it's compounded by the things we see, like people investing the 12 cents they save from their menial labor job and putting it into Robinhood to try to buy cryptocurrency to pay for food or something uh, illogical. We really need to look at, and I again, I'm not a politics guy, but like some of the proposals as of late about what companies get away with with taxation, what individuals who are wealthy get away with with taxation in order to further float the middle class. Because we did enjoy from World War II through Reaganomics with trickle-down bullshit, we enjoyed a very healthy middle class where a blue-collar worker could buy a house, raise a family, kids go to school, and that just does not exist in today's world at all. You either succeed mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur you succeed as like uh, throw it against the wall and I hope it sticks in the stock market or you're somebody that does, you know, something that is inherited. But everybody argue, else is stuck in the middle and not in a very nice middle place. I would argue well, that the, the myth of the entrepreneur is exactly that. It's a myth. Most people are not making money as entrepreneurs. Agreed. Yeah. It's a very, very, very long shot because the, the, the hero's journey of an entrepreneur is is it is a tough you know it's a tough one it's a lifestyle it's not a you know yeah. but see that that's what bothers me as an individual with kids and with aging parents my parents are baby boomers they sucked every last value and dollar out of everything that they got and they're like rolling in cash and rolling in benefits and rolling in time my kids they're coming up in the college age and they're faced with tough choices and my generation gen x that we're just like we're just happy to get by day to day because we got to take care of being in the middle of this sandwich and we don't have the leverage that we had in the eighties or the nineties when we were younger and more energetic. So it's a tricky scenario for normal people to look at. So I want to, Rob, can you stay on with us for another 10 minutes or do you have to, because I know you're busy, but I'm good. you're okay. Yep. Oh, thank you for that, Rob. Um, so um, before we go on to our recommendations of the week, <laughs> I just want to tell the listeners of yours about a webinar I'm doing with Spencer Forum. Uh, um, it's going to be about marketing automation. It's a series of three. We did one um, last week. That was part two. We've got one coming up on um, the 11th of June. That's this, 
second Friday of June at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm going to throw it over to Rob, um, over to, not to Rob, to Spencer, and allow him to quickly tell us what we're going to be discussing in part three. I would love to have Rob on this webinar. That would be a treat. Um, we're in part three. We're in the home stretch. So we've had the first two webinars in April and May where we've identified the stack of plugins that in WordPress allow WordPress to become better than most SaaS solutions like a ClickFunnels. We talked about last week configuring the stack and some use cases. And in this third episode, uh, all of the videos will be for free on the, the link that I provided there. We're going to talk about how to launch the stack with some specific use cases, how in 2021 and beyond, marketing automation is different from a strategy perspective. So, and I look to Rob because again, I met, I remember many of your own drip comments and, and teachings about this. There was a time if you're a fan of Ryan Dice and Perry Belcher and digital marketer that you would take somebody's email and promise them to send 65 drip emails to nurture them through whatever you're teaching. Those days are over in my opinion. Instead, you wanna have a WordPress website that will inform somebody when you learn about them to go to the website, because when they do, you can not only deliver dynamic content, but you can also track what they do. And people just don't really enjoy, I think today, the volume of emails that they get for other purposes. So it's a less busy channel when you make use of your new marketing automation system. And I think that's what we're gonna show people how easy it can be. And it's no code, no design, plug and play like Lego blocks. So if you followed the first two, awesome. If not, you can watch the first two videos free. I put the link in there over wplaunchify.com. And uh, I hope you'll join us for lunch. It's a very lightweight thing too. We're not going to talk your ear off for very long. That's that great. I really enjoyed the past two and I'm really looking forward to this this one as well. So please join us. If you want to sign up and get a, a notice um, uh, later on when we, when the Friday is approaching, all you have to do is go to the WP Tonic website. There's a button right in the top navigation that says webinar. You click it. You just give your name and email, and when we get closer to the webinar, we'll send you a reminder so you can join us live. Right, so let's go to our recommendations um, and, and panel. Please put them in the Slack channel. Rob can't, but hopefully he will email that if he's got a recommendation. Heather, have you got a recommendation you want to share with the listeners and viewers? I do. So uh, I am the organizer of a conference, uh, or multiple conferences, but this one is uh, DevOps UK. Um, so normally it's uh, just in the UK, so you'd have to fly there. But this year we're doing it hybrid and online and in person. Uh, it's in November, but the call for speakers is now open. So uh, I would love for everyone to submit uh, a call, a, a paper or a talk to the DevOps UK um, there's multiple tracks. I am heading up the people and culture track. So please submit something. All right. So, Rob, have you got something you want to plug or recommend to our beloved audience? Something that I've been really digging the last few weeks, especially, is the All In podcast. It's uh, hosted by Jason Galcanis and his, um, he calls them the besties, but it's it's a few folks in, out in in the Bay Area. And I'm not in like the venture capital Silicon Valley scene. Like it is just, I've always been an outsider. I don't really care that much about it. Uh, and, and except for in the way that it impacts, you know, bootstrappers and such. But I really like the perspectives on there. And I like that there's, um, there's both conservative and liberal viewpoints. I like that they talk very educated about things that they know a lot about. It's not 
a pundit on a you know a, a news show, a cable news show that obviously has not researched this or obviously doesn't know much about it, hasn't been a practitioner. Um, the four of them have either been founders or investors or both. And uh, it's just one of the, uh, it's honestly, it's one of the best podcasts that I've discovered um, in 2021. Oh, great. Yeah, Jason, love him and hate him. He's always entertaining. Yeah, me yum, as well. Yum, as a, yeah. yum, yum, as he would say. <laughs> so uh, um, yeah, yum, yum. Uh, um, Stephen, got anything you want to, want to recommend? Yeah, uh, there's nothing in life that brings me more joy than working in my garden. And this week, I acquired a new spade. And one would think that all shovels are the same, but they are not. If you're looking to do edging around your garden, get a tile spade or a drain spade, as they're called, and it will revolutionize your edging and digging life. Uh, I'm getting worried there, Stephen, but never mind. Oh, oh, there we go. Make sure. Um, Spencer, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, This is kind of unique, but if you are playing around with your plugins and you find that you're often trying to add things and remove them, there's a tool, the WP Faves Plugin Manager, that allows you to essentially create your own bookmark for self-installing groups of WordPress plugins. So it's just a nice little helper. There's other ways to do it as well. But if you find yourself trudging through the world of the WordPress repository one too many times looking for that thing you used on another website, this is a good way to just make it easy to go to your favorite thing and go, yeah, add this whole group into my new site or something of that nature. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that. John, got anything you want to recommend? Always got a book. Dog Whistle Politics. Dog Whistle Politics, um, how coded racial appeals have prevented racism and erect the middle class. So this is a, it's all about coded language and uh, how it's used in politics, in the media, in our everyday lives. And I'll tell you something like this is, this has been pretty much since the beginning of the eighties. This has been a strategy um, that a lot of people use. Uh, A lot of the things that are said in here uh, that were said in the early 80s, I heard repeated back to me in the 90s uh, by people, and I'm still hearing it today. So it really kind of exposes um, how you don't say things directly, but you dance around the subject, but the people who who need to understand what it means, they understand what it means. So just just an interesting book. I have that problem, John, being English. I, I, I think most of the time my American audience understands nothing I say, but there we go. Uh, um, I'm going to let the panel um, so quickly. Eva, how can people find out more about you and your whispering? You can find me at Heatheriel on all the socials or at heatheriel.com. And Rob, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to and your words of wisdom, Rob? Well, if folks listen to podcasts, I am at startupsfortherestofus.com where 30 to 40 minutes every week I'm talking about this kind of stuff plus startup SaaS and bootstrapping. And I just want to thank you for your podcast. I've learned an enormous amount from it, Rob. Um, Stephen, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, head over to zipfish.io, run a speed test and see how much faster we can make your website. That's great. And John, how can people find out? Oh, sorry, Spencer. How can people find out more about you and what you're up to, Spencer? At uh, wplaunchify.com. 
And John, how can people find out more about you? Uh, LockdownSEO.com. That's great. We'll see you next week for another great roundtable. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 